Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. So I received a question recently on Instagram. And I'll read the question here in a bit. But there's so much information to share on this topic that I thought a podcast would be in order uh, to tell the whole story about this topic. So here's the question. How do you keep your classroom from turning into chaos during center time when you have three boys who only want to do play fighting with any and all items that resemble people and animals? I know it's not the right solution, but I've removed the alphabets, Mr. Potato Head, and people counters from the shelves because I can't keep redirecting and also retain my sanity. Even the sensory bin turns into a noisy battle of some sort. Now that their favorite battle items are put away, the animal figures and dollhouse people are next. What to do? Okay, so there's a lot to dissect here. So weapon play, battle play, play fighting, rough and tumble play. These are all such misunderstood topics when it comes to early childhood and really just childhood in general. So um, in this podcast, we're going to zero in on battle play and play fighting. So I'm going to explain what those types of play are, which I'm sure all of you have seen at some point in your environments, and why these types of play are misunderstood and shut down, and why we should allow space for this type of play in our early childhood environments. So here we go. Okay, battle play. The original question asker described this type of play as children using any toy as a battle figure. So why battle play and why do many children enjoy this type of play and actively seek it out? So let's chat, let's chat about mammals for a moment. In his book, Play, by Stuart Brown, which is great, I recommend it, he tells the story of a polar bear and a sled dog. So there was this musher who was in the Canadian wilderness with his sled dogs when he saw a gigantic and very, very hungry polar bear approaching his sled dog team quite quickly. The polar bears were super hungry that year because there was a lot of ice melt and the seals were not readily available. So the musher could tell that the polar bear was hungry by its appearance. The bear headed straight for Hudson, which is one of the spunky sled dogs at the front of the pack. And the musher was sure that the polar bear would attack the dog. But on the polar bear's jaunt across the snow-laden field, he saw Hudson, the sled dog, bow down in a play pose and wag his tail. And then all of a sudden, the polar bear stopped short and it responded to the dog's invitation to play. And they began playing and wrestling around in the snow together. There was no teeth bared, no raised tackles. You would... You would think that that dog would have been in defense mode seeing that predator coming straight for him. But looking back, the play signals were 
already apparent before the two even met. The polar bear didn't approach with any aggression at all. He approached quickly, but casually and kind of in like a loping way. But not a, not at like a dead-on sprint with his hackle raised and his teeth bared. And the dog could tell by the bear's signals that he wanted to play. So the dog, Hudson, responded to the play invitation by bowing and wagging his tail. The truly amazing thing is, is that they played and they rolled and they laid down with their bellies up for about 15 minutes. The bear even embraced the dog at one point affectionately. And then for a week straight, the bear returned every day about the same time for that another play battle with that dog. So what does this mean? Mammals play. They play when they need to play. And play battles are a very instinctual form of play. If you watch any baby mammal and they play fight, they play fight with each other. This is because they have they have to fight for survival at some point in their lifetime. So their brains are wired to seek out opportunities to practice play battles. So when they do have to do the real thing, they've had lots of practice. So you can you can tell when two kittens are battling when they're playing. And when they're truly ticked off and really fighting. I mean, if you think about it, you can tell by their body language and their, their innate signals what is kittens tussling around in a playful mode and what is them f- actually fighting. Like they have their hackles up and they're hissing and they're scratching and their teeth are bared. Before modern civilization, humans had to hunt and fight to stay alive. And because science says that we evolved from mammals, we know our brains have been wired in the same way. We have been programmed over millions and millions of years to seek out play and play battles so we can practice for when it is really needed. And actually, I don't even, I'm not really like a uh, science researcher person, and I actually have no idea how long humans have been in existence. So maybe millions and millions of years is a stretch. <laughs> um, but the type, this type of behavior, it's perfectly normal and it's perfectly okay for young children. And if we shut it down in our classrooms because it makes us, the adults in the room, uncomfortable, we are taking away the chance for them to learn very valuable skills that are necessary for them when they face a situation that brings them great anxiety or stress. In order for us to get past the uncomfortable feelings that play battles and play fighting cause us as adults in the room, we have to name it and dissect it. We have to break it down. We have to recognize that this type of play is developmentally appropriate and it's innate. And then we have to realize our own yucky baggage that may come with this type of play. We need to tear down the walls of our discomfort and find ways to say yes, to allow this type of play in some way in our environments because it's instinctual and they're going to do it anyway, even if you say stop. So that is what we're going to do right now. Okay, so we know that battle play or play fighting, it's, it's innate. It's instinctual type of play. And we know our children need it and we'll seek it out because their subconscious brain is screaming at them to learn to fight just in case a polar bear comes their way. And again, if we shut this type of play down or we label children as bad for engaging in this type of play, we are completely suppressing their innate desire to learn and in turn making them feel like they are bad or misbehaving for something that they really have no control over. 
Okay, so now that I've like drilled that into you, that that play fo- fighting and p- battle fighting are subconscious and instinctual to humans and children, we need to get through the reason why it makes adults uncomfortable. I probably won't be able to name every single reason this makes adults uncomfortable, um, but I think that the very root cause of our deep discomfort with this and the unease with battle play and play fighting comes from the the social constructs have been put into place over time and how adults think children should act. Hunter-gatherer civilizations encourage this type of play. If you move into any modern civilization, this type of play is seen as a no-no. Why? I have a theory, but again, this is my own theory, but I, I really do think it makes perfect sense. When, when humans fight with each other, We have stress chemicals that are released into the body as a response to that threat. And humans are generally not taught to finish this stress cycle. And I'm going to tell you in a little bit how to finish the stress cycle. But the feelings of stress, the chemicals that are shot into your body from stress are left in the body because we as humans are never taught how to finish that stress cycle. So the chemicals are left in the body after a fight, whether it's a verbal fight or a physical fight. And over time, our brain tells us that fighting is so bad and the emotions we attach to fighting are that of anxiety or unease and stress. And in order not to feel those things, we shy away from any type of confrontation whatsoever. And we don't want to watch other people do it either. This is completely normal. This is how we all are. And um, I had a conversation with a colleague, friend named Emma Tempest on Instagram. She is at The Play Coach and same as Facebook. Um, And she taught me this method called Spill the Tea, which stands for Thought, Emotion, Action. So we're going to spill the tea about play battles. So what we need to do about it. First, thought. We need to recognize that the thought you are having the thought that you're having in that moment. So if two children are taking the, the, the people counters and they're play fighting, your thought is, ooh, that play is so loud and so big and it kind of makes me uncomfortable. So we have that thought. We don't have to dissect it. We don't have to, we don't have to say why we feel that way, but we just have to name that thought. And then the emotion. The emotion that you're feeling when you see those play battles happening in the classroom So you could say in your head, I am feeling anxious about the loud and big play. Makes me anxious. So then three is the action. So you're going to change your action. Normally you would say no and you would shut it down. But even though you're feeling anxious about it, you know that it's developmentally appropriate. So you can choose to ask them to move from the busy block area with their loud and big battle play to the rug on the other side of the room where it will disrupt less of the classroom maybe where it's further away from you. (laughs) So thought, emotion, action. Spill the tea. So let's go back to finishing the stress cycle. Um, I was at a retreat last weekend led by James Victory. He is an author of an amazing book called Feck Perfection, and I highly recommend it. James told us a story about an impala and a lion. Lion is hungry and is stalking the impala. Lion leaps and Impala has to choose, fight, flight, or freeze. Impala runs, lion chases, Impala zigs, lion zags, and Impala gets away. 
Impala has a gazillion stress chemicals that were just flooded into its body. So Impala hides behind a bush and his innate reaction is to dance out the chemicals. He shakes and shakes and shakes and moves until he feels better. And this is true. Like, mammals really do this thing. But humans don't. So in humans, when we have had some, like, feelings of stress or anxiety, we have to move our bodies to get those chemicals out. The fastest way to do this is to, like, turn on the song and dance. You could go for a walk. You could have a workout or just a good laughter session or what we need to do to help us feel better. So I want you to practice that. Try that. Next time you're feeling stressed or anxious, turn on a song and dance. So now we need to talk about how to support battle play in the classroom now that we know that children are going to engage in this type of play no matter what and no matter how many toys we take away and no matter how many times you tell them to stop. Because even when you tell them to stop, they're doing it behind your back. (laughs) So here's a few ways we can support battle play and play fighting in the classroom. One is to give them a specific space to do it if it makes you uncomfortable in the large areas where everyone else is. And yes, this space will seem super novel at first and everybody's going to flock over there and everybody's going to do play battle fighting. But that that novelty will simmer down over time. And this is the space where they can use the action figures or the peg people or the people counters to play fight. So set up a yes space for this type of fighting, this type of play, I should say, this type of play. And two, if children are into play fighting each other, um, is there a, a place that you can lay down a mat and teach them the limits of wrestling with each other? Can you limit it to outdoors only? How can you say yes to play fighting in a way that doesn't leak over into the whole classroom? And three, I think one of the biggest things is this, is we need to educate other teachers and parents. You can send them this podcast episode or link to the blog post about this topic. And four, this is for parents out there. If I've got parents listening, if the person that's caring for your children shuts down this type of play and your child and maybe labels your child or makes you feel like your child is being bad, I want you to know that this type of play is completely developmentally appropriate. It is innate. It is instinctual. And it is fine. There is so much more that I could jam on about this topic. Um, but I'm going to leave it at this. And I hope you I hope you leave this episode feeling a little more enlightened about battle play and a little bit more empowered about battle play. And... Maybe even able to, like, finish a stress cycle today. Do some dancing. And then find ways to say yes to this type of play in your environments. And you will, you will over time, see much happier, much more engaged children who are able to work out those stressful situations in life. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.